Welcome to the Punk Rock Preschool Podcast with your host, Mr. G. For those about to learn, we salute you. Hello, party people. Thank you for joining us today on the Punk Rock Preschool Podcast, where we are changing the world one classroom at a time. That classroom is your classroom. I'm your host, Jared Geller, Mr. G, and we have another great episode. Actually, a great series that is starting today. And this series is dedicated completely to first-time teachers. Now, if you're not a first-time teacher, if you've been teaching for a while, there's still probably a lot of really great stuff in this episode, so keep listening. But I wanted to do an episode for those first-time teachers and a series for those first-time teachers because I remember my first time coming in the classroom and we feel prepared, but at the same time, we're not prepared because there's just so many nerves that go into that first day, that first week, and that first year of school. And despite all of our training and student teaching and things like that, and I did Teach for America, so my prep was a little different than most of y'all, but across the board, student teaching is done in somebody else's classroom. And that teacher has their own rules and their own own classroom culture and their own way that they do things with parents, all this stuff where you're going to want to have your own way to do things with parents, your own classroom rules, your own classroom cultures, your own expectations. But how do you bring that to life? How do you start the year the right way? Because it really does matter. Starting the year right is super important and it can determine a lot going forward. And I know I didn't get a ton of guidance on how to do my first week of school and my first day. And there's a lot of guessing as to what it would look like before I went in and then when it was happening, it was kind of a mess and there's a lot of learning on the fly. And I don't want any of y'all to have to feel unprepared or nervous for that first day. So we're gonna go over all the ways that you can start your year off perfectly, whether you're a first-time teacher or not, but especially for first-time teachers who may be feeling a little nervous maybe, but excited and ready to jump in. But at the same time, it's like, what is that going to look like? Well, I'm going to try and give you my experiences as a first time, when I was a first-time teacher and what I've seen throughout the years. And hopefully you will still, even if you're not a first-time teacher, hopefully you will still gain something very useful that you can use come August or September. But enough talking about it. Let's start our first time teacher series by starting off your school year the right way. This is how to do the first day and the first week of school. Now, we learn a lot in college and a lot from student teaching. I'm not saying we don't, but nothing prepares you for the first week of school and all the firsts that come along with it until you're actually in the classroom doing it and experiencing it yourself. So Once you finally have full control over a classroom, you can communicate with parents according to your own style. You can teach what you want. You can teach what you love, as we talk about it quite a bit on Punk Rock Preschool. So you can create your own rules, your own procedures, your own expectations, the culture, everything in your classroom. It belongs to you and your students. And I know you can't wait to put everything that you've learned into play and make that first week of school just so exciting, the best first impression of school that you can give kids But how do we do that? How do we make school super fun at the very beginning, super exciting, but at the same time, lay out those rules, get those procedures down, make sure kids know that school isn't just a party time, but still make it feel like a fun, awesome party, or maybe not a party, but learning should be a blast. And how do we strike that balance, especially when you want to be liked, you want the kids to come in and feel comfortable, all these things, but at the same time, you do need to have your rules, you do need to have your procedures, and you do need to consistently enforce them. So you've had an experience with a classroom, plenty of classrooms probably, but it's never been your classroom, and you've never done any of these things to establish these procedures before. And 
all those fun things that you want to do later in the year, all those awesome activities and expectations that you've decided you want your students to be able to master, they are going to have to wait a bit. The future is going to have to wait until you can get through this first week with all those procedures in place, get that culture instilled, and get a general sense of fun and excitement around the classroom. And it all sounds great, but how do we actually do it? How do we establish these rules and procedures? There's so many of them. And how do we still make school seem like a fun place that makes kids want to return each day? How do we take that idea in our minds, that really idealistic, fun, awesome idea of school, and turn that optimism into real classroom results? Well, that's what this episode is for. So in this episode, we're going to talk about developing a plan for that first week. So all of those crucial classroom traits, from the culture to the procedures to the expectations to the just general sense of fun around school and learning, how do we build that all in from day one? Because it does not happen by accident. And if you think if you think through your goals and expectations and you break them down into the tiniest bite-sized little lessons for early in the year, then you will begin to see mastery really early on. You can't just be throwing up 100 big ideas at kids, especially early in the year. Give them tiny little bite-sized pieces. Plan out those bite-sized pieces, especially with the procedures, and we'll get into that plenty. But you must be conscious. You have to be, be conscious and be aware of what needs to be learned, how it's going to be learned, and you have to map it all out, really. May seem like a lot of work, but it will save you so much work in the end. It will pay huge dividends. And you're, like I said, you're going to see mastery really early on, but you have to be conscious about what you're teaching and you have to be willing to take it slow. And for me, you know me by now, I go fast. So taking it slow, it can be difficult. I understand that. I sympathize with it. So believe me, it's not going to be my way, do things my way. It's do things your way, whatever that is, but take the time to get them right, whatever whatever your expectations and your procedures and all these things are that you want to start the year with, take the time on them. And that brings us into our mindset shift, where our old mindset is we will learn procedures for X amount of time, for three weeks, four weeks, two weeks, whatever. We're going to spend this amount of time on procedures. That may be the old mindset because you want to start jumping into content. You want to start teaching letters and numbers. Get your kids reading, get your kids writing, doing math, doing all these things by the end of the year. Can't wait till halfway through the year to start our letters and start our numbers, things like that. So you want to get jumping in real early. You want kids to see, here's the stuff that we're learning. Here's how you can use it in your life. Here's what school is all about. So you want to get through those procedures pretty quickly. You don't want to spend four weeks walking around the halls, right? Well, new mindset is, if that's how long it takes, that's how long it takes. We will. New mindset is, we will take as long as it takes to learn procedures. Even if that means eight weeks, nine weeks, whatever it is, Hopefully it doesn't take you that long, but if it does, don't feel bad about it. You need to get those procedures down, get them down so students know, so students can behave themselves, self-direct their own learning, because once they establish that early on, it can continuously be reinforced throughout the year. And that is really, really important. It is a super strong concept to be able to reinforce these procedures, reinforce this classroom culture, and really get these ideas down for the rest of the year so the rest of the year goes smoothly. Because... The earlier that you can build the culture and get the class running smoothly, the more you can learn. And reinforcing these ideas throughout the year instead of trying to rush through them and then be correcting kids sitting on the carpet throughout the rest of the year, be correcting hallway procedures throughout the rest of the year, that takes up time, that takes up energy, that might sour your mood. These things, get them taken care of and have kids being self-directed and self-monitoring and controlling all the little things that you don't want to have to be pointing out and picking out and saying, 
stop that or remember we do this or remember we do that. Have that stuff ingrained because you spent the time at the beginning. So again, old mindset is we will learn procedures for X amount of time, for three weeks, four weeks. I don't want to do procedures past six weeks. Well, new mindset is take as long as it takes to learn procedures. Don't beat yourself up. Don't try to think, I got to get this done fast so I can get onto everything else. When you get it done, when you feel like the kids have it mastered and have it good enough, that's when you can start adding in new things. And hopefully it will happen very quickly because you'll spend so much time in those first week and second week and third week on procedures and getting them all down that you won't have to worry about them again for the next 30 weeks afterwards. So let's get into the strategies on exactly how you can make your classroom function and run so smoothly that you don't have to worry about any of these problems later in the year. Not even that I mentioned too many problems, but just so you don't have to worry about anything later in the year except exactly how you want your classroom to run. So let's get it down right now. Strategy number one, start with the end in mind. So how is it that you want your classroom to look? What are the expectations that you want to lay out? How do you want them? When you walk into a classroom, what do you expect students to be doing in your perfect dream classroom? Are they sitting quietly, hands in their lap, crisscross applesauce, eyes on whoever's speaking, raising their hands, all these kinds of things. What do you want your classroom to look like? And where do you want your students to end up at the end of the year? And that doesn't mean just academically, but focus on that too. So where do you want them academically? How much do you want them to know? Do you want them to know all their letters, all their sounds? Do you want them to be reading? Do you want them to be doing sight words? Do you want them to just know their ABCs? Where is your goal for your students academically? Put the final product, get that final product in your head and let's work backwards from there. So again, another one behaviorally. Where do you want your students to end up at the end of the year behaviorally? Do you want them to be able to control themselves, self-direct their learning, or do you expect them to still be little kids and kind of running around and being a little crazy because they're kids? If that's what you're going to expect and that's what you're going to be happy with and that's okay with you, that is probably what it's going to look like at the end of the year. If you expect your students to be able to control themselves and be able to self-direct their learning, believe me, they can do it. But you have to envision what that end looks like and then work backwards from there. Because like I was saying before, it does not happen by accident. So what does it look like to have your students, their academic success? What does their behavior success look like? And just remember, they can do anything you can dream. If you can dream it, they can do it. Their potential is only limited by our imaginations. So they can do anything you can dream, so dream big. And why this works is because you have to work backwards. It has to be intentional. If you want perfect lines in the hallway, then you need to know exactly what that line looks like, and you need to craft your expectations so your students know what that line looks like, and they need to be able to check it and make sure that they're doing that. So what does that line look like? Craft your expectations, craft activities to help kids Create a line like the one that you are visualizing and let them know, hey, this is it, guys. You're doing awesome. This is perfect when they nail it. And when they don't, help them get there. Oh, this line is so good, but it looks like some people are kind of stretched out. Oh, this line is so great, but I'm hearing a little bit of talking right now. So is that a great line? Help your students know and self-correct themselves so they learn those procedures, learn those processes in their head, and they can do it on their own. Strategy number two, take it slow piece by piece take as long as you need i've taken three weeks to do procedures and got my kids through it so nicely and so smoothly but there's been other years where it's taken me almost eight weeks to get those procedures down and i started mixing in academic content and other things in there within those eight weeks but we were still out practicing in the hallway we were still out doing bathroom breaks we were still out we were still coming to the carpet practicing coming to the carpet practicing lining up all these things until we had it down so Spend the time to get 
this right because it will save you time in the long run. And when I say take it slow, piece by piece, here's what I mean. Let's think about line procedures. We need to teach walking feet and inside voices. That's a concept. Then how to walk in a straight line. That's a concept. Then how to walk in a line that doesn't stretch out over the whole hallway. That's a procedure that needs teaching. That's kind of walking through the halls. Then how to walk up and down the stairs. Using the rail, using the right side of the hallway. These are all important line procedures that is not just, hey guys, let's go learn how to walk in a line. We need to talk about walking and not running. We need to talk about being quiet, bubbles and buckles, maybe people say. And I never said bubbles and buckles because I always thought that kids could, if they knew to do bubbles and buckles, they also knew to be quiet and walk in a straight line because that's what it meant. So I would just speak to them like people would speak to them in the real world and say, all right, we're going to go walk in a quiet straight line instead of saying bubbles and buckles. I mean, I know it helps them remember things, do what works for you. For me, I never liked a lot of those callbacks for getting your class's attention or bubbles and buckles, those kind of cutesy kitty things. I never really loved them because I just always thought that if, if they can know that this means be quiet in the hallway, they can also know that be quiet in the hallway means be quiet in the hallway. So that's how I ran things. But this goes in terms of breaking things down into simple bite-sized pieces. This goes for everything. So like backpacks and jackets. How do we hang them up? How do we pack our backpack? How do we put our folders back into our backpack? How do we carry our backpack and how do we not carry our backpack? We don't want kids swinging them around in the hallway. How do we put on our jacket? How do we zip up our jacket? Things like that. Transition procedures. How do we enter the classroom? How to wait your turn? How to go from tables to centers and centers to tables? How to go from the tables to the carpet and the carpet to tables? How to go from the carpet to lining up or tables to lining up? These are all different procedures that we could just say, oh, the procedure is teaching kids how to line up. But really, there's way more to it because it's lining up from where, it's moving from one center to another or one part of the classroom to another. And going from centers to tables is a lot different than going from the carpet to tables. And those procedures really need to be highlighted. I'll go through one more. Carpet procedures. How to come to the carpet. How to sit crisscross applesauce. How to raise your hand. Smart board procedures. How to leave the carpet. How to listen on the carpet. Eyes and ears on whomever is speaking. Hands to your, how to keep your hands to yourself. How to be quiet when others are talking. How to think about what others are saying. And we talked about that before, letting your brain talk to you. And I can go through a long, long, long list, and I will leave a link in the show notes to a freebie for punkrockpreschool.com slash 024. Come to our website, get our freebie there, and it will be a list of all of these procedures, all the things, all the step-by-step breakdowns of each specific procedure, and every little tiny thing to be focused on to make sure your students can at least know They don't have to master, you know, all 70 or whatever. I don't know how many little tiny bite-sized things I have here. But they don't have to master all of these right away, but they should at least master the important ones and know the big ones and know all of them and know what the expectations are. So make sure you communicate those expectations very, very, very clearly. Every little step of the way needs to be mapped out so your students don't feel confused or helpless. And so you don't feel stressed having to do all these things for them that they can definitely do themselves. Strategy number three is making procedures fun. Procedures should reinforce fun, and the fun that you're doing in the class should also reinforce procedures. So for instance, if you are doing a coloring worksheet where students are coloring in different shapes, I had a worksheet that was like a house that was a square with rectangle door and square windows and triangle roof, and it just had all these different shapes on it, and circles for decoration, 
lots of different shapes everywhere. And what we would do is we would start the year doing like a following directions activity, asking the students, okay, we're going to color all our squares in red. And if they didn't know what a square was, we would show a square, make sure they knew what the square was, find all the shapes that look like this shape, color them in red. And we would see how many students could follow directions. It was a great initial assessment, but at the same time, it was practice for following directions, for listening to the teacher, for working quietly, working hard on your work to yourself at your table. These are all different things that can be fun. So that's coloring practice to listen. It also creates initial assessment, also sees how we can follow directions, also sees how well we know our shapes. Another procedure that we did that was fun was for the hallway, get a compass, draw a circle on a piece of construction paper, laminate that circle. Hopefully you have a laminator at your school. If not, go to the Office Max or we used to go to Mardell if our uh, laminator at school wasn't working. Anyway, get this circle laminated and turn it into a steering wheel. Give it to your students, let them walk around the halls with their circles driving so they can practice driving, staying in the right lane, making sure they don't cause any traffic, make sure they don't get into a car crash, bumping into other kids, make sure they're paying attention to where they're going. And not only can you use these steering wheels to drive through the hallways, we would go down to the cafeteria, flip them over and hold them like our lunch trays and practice all our cafeteria procedures, going through the line, dumping our trays, sitting down at the table with our trays, how to walk with our trays. So this little laminated circle, which will cost you basically nothing, can be one of the most useful tools. It was like by far the most useful tool that we used teaching procedures and it made learning procedures fun and it made kids want to learn procedures because once they knew how to walk in the hallway the right way and they mastered that, I would make them little driver's licenses. I would take their picture and I would glue their little picture. I would laminate the driver's license and they would have their own little driver's license. You just print one off blank driver's license for whatever state you're in on Google Images. Hopefully you can find one. If not, there's templates. Glue their face onto it and tell them when they mastered that procedure of walking in the hallway, give those kids their driver's license. And if there's some students that have not mastered those procedures, then maybe they need to be a passenger and hold someone else's hand as they walk through the hallway until they can get it down perfectly and can start driving themselves with that kind of responsibility. But this makes kids, this gives them a huge incentive, a huge desire to master these procedures because they want their driver's license. They want to be out there driving their car. And we don't, we stopped using the steering wheels after like the first or second week of school. So you don't have to keep this going all year. You can if you'd like to, but they get the idea that this procedure actually becomes a fun, exciting thing. It doesn't feel like, oh, we're learning how to follow the rules. It feels like I'm learning how to be better at something so I can get my driver's license. And that is kind of how you want to focus all your procedures, make them fun. That's what I mean when I say procedures should reinforce fun and the fun should reinforce the procedures. So when you're doing a fun activity, make sure that you're following all those procedures in it as well. So as with everything in your class, life skills, social skills, behavior skills, academic skills, and of course, fun, they should all be wrapped into one. And a big part of the first week of school is handling those procedures and still keeping fun, school fun and not a place that's just filled with rules, 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 rules. And that's all we're learning is rules, 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 rules. Make the rules fun so kids don't even realize that they are rules. So they don't even realize that they're having to walk through the hallways over and over again. Make it into a fun thing. Strategy number four, wean your students into privileges. This was a mistake that I made my first year of teaching was I wanted school to be an awesome time. Again, I also really didn't know how that first day was supposed to go. So I kind of just wanted to get a feel for it, get a feel for the kids. I wanted the kids to like me. I was like, oh, I really want the kids to like me. So let's open up the year. Let's let them come in. It was a brand new classroom, brand new stuff, brand new dramatic play. I was like, let's let them play with these brand new toys. 
Let's let them do all these cool things in school so they think school is just this fun, awesome place. And then I can leverage that feeling into learning and into, hey, if you want to have fun like that, we have to learn and we have to pay attention. We have to do this stuff. Well, that worked to a certain extent. You do want to hook kids with fun and you do want to tease that if they're well-behaved, we will have even more fun. We will do even more of this awesome stuff like playing at centers and playing with all these great toys and playing with these puzzles. We will do that all year. If y'all just listen and pay attention and work hard, then we are going to have a great year and have fun just like we just did. Now that seemed like a really good idea to me at the time. And that is really how I teach. But at the same time, don't start the year and just give kids full access to every center. Show them what's available. Show them the cool stuff that's, that's going to be there but only give them access to a few things to start the year. I would not start the year with dramatic play. I would keep that thing covered up and let kids know that it's there and tell them once we learn how to walk in the halls, once we learn how to do this, once we learn how to do that, then we can start playing at the kitchen or whatever your dramatic play center looks like. So use those rewards and anticipation to keep kids always acting great. We will learn the fun stuff if y'all can follow directions and work hard and handle it. And that's what I really recommend. So start the year with as much fun as you can muster, but don't give them everything. Don't give them the coolest stuff imaginable because it might make them a little wild. It might make them think that school is just games and, and play. And they, you'll, you'll start getting questions like, will we sit on the carpet for 10 minutes? And uh, Mr. G, can we go play with, the, with that thing now? Teacher, can we go play with that thing now over there? And you don't want kids' minds being focused everywhere but what you're saying. So... Give them just enough to get them excited and then tease the rest of it and get them anticipating it, get them excited for it, get them wanting it, but then tell them they have to live up to their end of the bargain, which means hard work, doing your best, trying hard, following directions, listening. You know the deal. Whatever your classroom culture is, whatever your expectations are, lay those out and allow rewards to, to uh, show up when students fulfill those expectations. Strategy number five, y'all probably thought I was going to talk about this sooner because I know a lot of people probably worry about the first week of school. What am I going to do with all those crying kids? Well, maybe you'll have crying kids. Maybe you won't. I probably have one crier each year, so anticipate it. Don't think that if you don't have one, that's very lucky. That's awesome and great. If you do have some criers, if you have multiple criers, just be prepared for that. So how do you prepare for that? Well, as I was saying before, make school fun. Convince kids that there's going to be so much fun to be happening and that class is just going to be incredible. And I mean, some of them might not be listening because they're so upset about missing mom and dad, but that will run its course. Just be patient with it. Keep explaining to them how much fun school is going to be, how mom and dad want them to be there to learn. Mom and dad want them to be there to be the best people they can be. Don't you want to be an awesome person that can do whatever you want in life, that can make the world a better place, that can change the world? Don't you want to be able to follow your dreams and just love your life? And most kids will say yes. If they say no, then they're just really upset. But they might miss mom and dad, but at the same time, they do want to make mom and dad proud. And they want to make mom and dad happy. And they want to make themselves happy. So play to that. What makes them happy? All those things. Be patient. It's going to work out. Be positive. Don't get upset with, with any kids that are crying or anything. If they're throwing a tantrum and tearing the classroom apart, that's a whole nother story and probably a whole nother episode. But if they're just crying a little bit and it goes on for a week or two, some of my kids that cried the most 
they were the ones that ended up becoming the most mature by the end of the year. And they were the ones that were laughing about it at the end of the year. Oh yeah, I used to cry. That's pretty silly, isn't it? So don't worry about it too much. Don't get bogged down in it like it's going to last forever. It should not last forever, especially if your classroom is fun and exciting and challenging. There's no time to be crying. But other strategies to use in order to get kids out of that state, you could have family members bring in pictures of the family and have a little bookshelf or a little a regular shelf set up that displays all these pictures of your family. So if kids are upset, they can go and look at their family and hopefully it will calm them down. Hopefully it doesn't upset them even more. And then parent-teacher conferences, getting parents on board, having great relationships with parents, being able to text parents, send videos to parents, things like that, whether it's a positive or a behavior correction that's needed, whether you just want to praise the students for doing something amazing, you want to be able to tell parents that, or if you need parents' help to make sure everybody is aligned and on the same page, that's another thing as well. So make sure that parents are on board, make sure that parents understand what your goals are, make sure that you understand what parents' goals are, and make sure that one of the questions that I ask in the parent survey, which I'll leave a link to in the show notes, is what are three values that your family shares? What are three strong ideas that you want to see reinforced in the classroom that you speak about at home? And just asking that question shows a lot of care, but it also helps you understand where you can pull from in order to get bring your students' behavior and their focus and them crying back to what we're doing right now or back to a value that they know already. So if a value in a house is respect and a student is crying and screaming and no one else can listen to what you're saying or what another student is saying, that's not very respectful. And you can play on that to try and appeal to whatever issues you're having. And so getting all these tools in your tool belt is a great way to start the first year because there's going to be unforeseen things. There's going to be things that happen that that you've never experienced before being a first year teacher, and that's okay. So make sure you have a long list of resources and ideas that you can pull from. So when these issues arise, you know how to combat them, you know how to deal with them, and you know how to fix them. Strategy number six, get that classroom culture right. Help students understand what is school. So what is the classroom culture that you want in your classroom? And again, I'll leave this in the show notes. Go to punkrockpreschool.com slash 024. I'll leave a link to our freebie for our 10 class mantras, our cultural callbacks, things like do your best, try, 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 never give up. These ideas that you can repeat over and over and over again in the classroom so they become embedded in your students' minds, in your heads. So whenever something arises that's a problem, or kids think they can't do something, or kids are feeling down or struggling, do your best. Try, try, try. You can do anything. Never give up. Practice, practice, practice. These ideas, pick the one that works for you that's a growth mindset kind of culture, and help your students understand that no matter how hard things are, no matter how difficult they get, and this is good for teachers as well, if we work hard at it, we can overcome anything. So help establish that culture, and why are we in school? You know, we're in school to grow our brains and make the world a better place. That was the cultural callback that we established. So we come to school to grow our brains and make the world a better place. So we can do anything we want when we grow up and be whoever we want to be. And at the same time, love what we're doing and make a difference in the world and make people's lives better. That was always the goal in our classroom. And I brought that up every week, almost every day to help students to remind them, what are we here for? Why should we act right? Why should we put forth all of our effort, because 
it's going to benefit us and the world. So let's do it. But sell that really hard. You know, make sure kids know that if they work hard, they can do anything. If they keep trying and they practice and they do their best, there's nothing that can stop them. Make sure they know that so they have that confidence. So they know no matter how difficult those procedures get or the academics or the behavior stuff, whatever your expectations are, don't ever let students get down on themselves. Don't let them ever feel sad about their work ethic or their work or their effort because that's within their control and they should always feel like they're doing their absolute best and take pride from that. So head to punkrockpreschool.com slash 024. I mentioned a couple freebies in this episode. I mentioned the class mantras. I mentioned the procedure, the list of procedures. I believe I mentioned another one as well, but when I go back and edit the episode, we'll find out what that one was. So major takeaways, what to do, plan out your first week and plan out those procedures bite size, those little tiny pieces, which I'm going to give you guys pretty much all of that already. So from there, figure out how you want to make these procedures fun. Figure out how you're going to teach all these things. Don't have to spend every minute of every day on them. I'm not saying that. Definitely take time for the academic stuff. Read some stories. Have your nap time. Do all the stuff that you would do typically. Figure out time periods for practicing procedures that will eventually be replaced by carpet time or small groups or a craft or whatever. But figure out that time that you're going to take to teach those procedures. Give yourself enough time each day. Plan them out and explain the expectations step by step from lining up to walking in a straight line to walking quietly to using walking feet to not spreading the whole line out so it stretches the whole hallway. These are all line procedures, not just let's learn how to walk in a straight line. There's six or seven things that go into a nice looking line and each of them need to be stated explicitly and made clear that these are the expectations. Because you can have a straight line that's running through the hallway. You can have a straight line that's 90 feet long. You could have a straight line that is going diagonally straight into a wall, you know? So make sure that whatever the procedures are, that you know exactly what it looks like and every part of it, what it looks like, and then make all that explicit. Why do we do this? Because nothing happens by accident. You have to plan your year for success if you want success. I know this sounds really overwhelming, but it's way more overwhelming when you're in week 16, when you're almost halfway through the year and your students still can't walk in the hallway, when you're still embarrassed by other teachers walking by and seeing your kids making a loud ruckus throughout the whole school. That is not what you want. Outside of it being embarrassing from the other teachers, you know, it's just not good for your, for your classroom and not good for the kids to be learning the most that they can be. So how do we do it? As I just said, break down those procedures and take it slow. Be patient. Get them down so they have so kids have it down perfectly. The results for the kids, they're going to love school and they're going to act great because they know how to act great. Once they know how to take control of themselves and self-direct their own learning, then they're going to fall in love with learning. They're going to say, wow, this learning thing is really, really, really cool. And they're not even going to realize how much better behaved, how much more mature and under control they are than they were when they first got to the classroom because it's just going to feel so natural and flowing as you go and learn these things to begin with. And then everything builds upon itself as kids can take control of themselves and, and begin to become better listeners and become better participants and become, and your procedures take less time. All these things will fuel higher growth and academic achievement. So results for you is you're going to have more time 
for everything else to learn, as I just mentioned. And this sets kids up for a year of fun, a year of success, and really a great first impression of school. And it gives them the life skills because it's all about self-control, self-directed learning, focus, paying attention, skills that a lot of adults are still missing, as is the case with a lot of the things that we teach in punk rock preschool, which is why we teach them. So the life skills gives kids the life skills to take on the world and prepares you for the best first year of school that you can imagine. Thank you for listening. I hope you are one step closer to making the classroom of your dreams come true. Please follow us on social media and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and our email list. Go to punkrockpreschool.com slash 024. Download the freebie right now. And guys, I know your first week of school, it's going to be a doozy and there's a lot of directions that you may take. But the most important thing to remember is to find what works for you, what works best for you, and it be yourself. You're going to do great. And you're going to change your students' lives. I have no doubt about that. But you always have to teach within yourself. Don't fake your passion. Don't fake your enthusiasm by doing things that aren't within you. Put your own spin on everything. Put your own spin on these procedures. Find what works for you so you love coming to work every single day. So once your students master these procedures, your class will be the talk of the school. It will also allow you, like I said, much more time to spend teaching rather than disciplining and transitioning. So take as long as you need for your students to master these procedures. I've gone anywhere from three weeks to eight weeks, and it just depends on class and how rigorously you are enforcing your expectations, how consistently you are enforcing these expectations. Because pre-K students can absolutely get these procedures down in the first nine weeks. Like I said, they can get them down in the first three weeks if you keep at it every day and frame the benefits correctly. So as with anything, if you don't have a good reason for the kids to be doing it or learning what you're working on that day, you gotta rethink what you're doing. If you can't make a compelling case to the kids with reasons as to why these procedures are going to benefit them and you have to make them fun too, then they won't want to do it. So you can fake your enthusiasm and feign your excitement about walking in a straight line, but that won't last all year. So find a better way. Like, like I said, for me, it was the driver's license thing. I could always go back to, oh, do I need to suspend your driver's license? Do I have to take your driver's license back if things got really out of hand? You can use that to reinforce throughout all the whole year. And it's better to lay out these safety procedures, these respect procedures, these time-saving aspects and convince your students that walking in a line is the absolute best way to walk. Maybe show them a crowd walking through the hall and how crazy it looks and have them imagine that if the whole school walked like that, this is why we have to walk in a line. Now, I'm going on too much about this line thing, but I really want to communicate that idea. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. If there's anything else that you need, as always, please leave a comment, leave ratings, leave your thoughts below. And if there's anything you want me to discuss on future episodes, if you have any questions, please reach out and let's work together to change the world one classroom at a time. Until next time, keep rocking.